this year should be a merit and a blessing uh, for the health and success of the families of Regina Bat Yosef Ruvain and Yeshaya Ben Yisrael, Benjamin Wolf, Ben Tzuhersh, Baruch Ben Benjamin Wolf. Before I begin this year, I, I just want to mention something, <clears throat> you know, that we don't realize. Um, there are two things I want to mention, which is very, very concerning. Uh, the first thing is that um, America really, the reason why there's much less evil that used to be done in the world is because everybody was afraid of America. America was like the policeman on the beat. So America served as a tremendous deterrent for countries that were really incredibly evil. So really, there would have been a tremendous amount more of evil and corruption before Biden. But after Biden, what has happened, and this is very bad, is that nobody is afraid of America. In fact, behind uh, America's back, they all laugh at America. They laugh at Biden. You see, America has lost the respect of the entire world. And one of the major repercussions of that is that the world looks at America and says, well, there's no more cop on the beat, so we can do whatever we want. That is very dangerous, very dangerous, because America always served as a major deterrent. And we see that by, uh, uh, by Trump. Many countries would not have done what they did. Putin would never have gone to war with Ukraine. Afghanistan would not have happened. Certainly China would not be doing what they're doing because they all feared Trump. But with Biden, they all laugh. You see, that's very dangerous for the world. And therefore, all of this, the war in Ukraine, you know, what happened in the incredible tragedy and mockery of Afghanistan, you know, and uh, Xi is probably thinking all day long, about taking Taiwan, Taiwan, and I believe he will do it. Because as they say, it's now or never. Now is an opportune time to take over Taiwan, which is a tremendous disaster, you see. So that's very dangerous, very. And I recently I just heard that uh, China's thinking and Russia's thinking of putting missiles with nuclear warheads in the Northern Hemisphere, you know, they're going to put it in uh, Cuba and probably Venezuela and so on. And this will repeat the tremendous crisis that happened in 1962 between Kennedy and Khrushchev. But today there's no guarantee that these powers, Russia and China, will back off. We're looking at the possibility of World War Three, That's how bad it is. And the one who's responsible for this unbelievable dangerous time and crisis is Joe Biden. It's just incredible when you think about what is happening. And the second thing which is very worrisome is that <clears throat> it is astounding that the American people keep voting for people 
right, that are absolutely incompetent. It's just incredible to watch how people don't understand who's on their side and who is not. You know, I mean, just take a, a classic example. You know, Kathy Hochul ran against Lee Zeldin for governor of New York, right? And, and Zeldin was very good. Hochul, I mean, she's incompetent. So can you imagine the ones who put Kathy Hochul in the governorship of New York are the blacks. It's unbelievable. And the blacks are the ones that are being killed left and right, you see. And the, uh, there's an enormous amount of crime, which is primarily directed at the blacks, you see. And they're, and, and they're the ones who are responsible for Hochul being governor. Yet Governor Hochul is a completely very weak and very incompetent. I mean, the crime rate of New York is unbelievable. And the exit rate is ridiculous. They took a poll and they estimate that New York is one third of New York, or whatever, 27% or 30% of New Yorkers say that they're going to leave New York within five years. That's the end of New York because there's no tax base and so on. And the ones responsible for putting this completely incompetent governor are the blacks. How could they do this to themselves? Whereas Trump and the Republican Party have done a tremendous amount for the blacks in terms of jobs and, uh, you know, Parnosa, livelihood, and so on. So in, in the end, America is responsible, right, for the disaster of America. The people of America are responsible. It's almost like a madness has descended upon America. So that's also very concerning. You know, Biden just announced that he's running, right? Again, a second term. If he wins in 2024, America's doomed. That's what will happen, right? And the worry is, is that Americans are foolish enough to vote for this person, this completely incompetent person. That's what's worrisome. America itself, you see. So I see these two developments, right, that could signal World War III and the end of America, especially if the reserve currency is no longer the dollar, but it's the, the, UN, the UN. I mean, it's incredible what's happening. Anyway, this is so far what's, what's, what's happening, you know. In any case, now the shear that I'd like to give uh, is, is a shear about a very important topic, <clears throat> uh, something I had mentioned actually last week in terms of what's happening to Israel. And I mentioned uh, that Israel is going through a tremendous period of sinas chinam and lashon hara because of the desire to reform the judicial. So who knows how much lashon hara and sinas chinam is being spoken and, and happening in Israel. And what that does, as I mentioned, is it's ma'irer, which means it invokes, right, the judicial proceedings by the sultan against the Jews, which is very bad. In any case, so I'd like to talk a little about 
you know, the concept of uh, of uh, Avos Yisrael, to love a Jew should love another Jew, you know, to understand some of its primius, to understand some of its real, uh, to understand this mitzvah, so to speak, in depth. Uh, now, it really starts with, with, with a very uh, important mystery. <clears throat> there was somebody in the Gemara that approached uh, Shammai, one of the great Tanoim, people who wrote the Mishnah, and he told them, you know, I want to know, standing on one leg, I want to know the essential concepts of Torah, to learn, I should say, the Torah Shabbat there. Shammai, you know, looked at him and thought that this person must be insincere. So he told him to leave. <clears throat> then he went to Hillel, and he said the same thing. Tell me the Torah standing on one foot, right? What is the essential message of the Torah? So Hillel told him. He said, that which is hateful to you, don't do to your friend. Which is the negative side, right, perspective, of your haftalareachakamaycha. And you will love your friend or your neighbor as yourself. That is the essential concept of the Torah. Now, of course, we find that very difficult to understand. Why would that be? I mean, there's so many mitzvahs that we could have chosen to be the essential idea of the Torah itself, right? Why did Hillel teach a mitzvah which has been Odom Lechaveroi between a Jew and his fellow, uh, you know, compatriot and so on, you know? Why is that the essential idea of the Torah? <clears throat> you know, I mean, if Hillel said that, right, this is not merely a nice idea. Hillel is telling us a profound concept that that mitzvah is the essential idea of the Torah. And then he told this person, go and learn the, the rest is commentary, you see. <clears throat> so therefore what Hillel was saying, that the essential concept right, of, uh, of, of the Torah is this mitzvah of Avas Yisrael. That which is hateful to you, don't do to you others. That's the essence. So we have to understand, what did Hillel mean? Why is this the essence of the Torah? Because we could have picked so many others, you know, to believe in God, to declare his unity, to love God, and so on, you know, instead... He picks this. So we really would like to know what is Hillel really saying? That's the question. <clears throat> now it's what Hillel is really saying <clears throat> is the mitzvah of your haftalareachakamaycha and you will love your neighbor right? As yourself. That is the essential idea of the Torah. And the rest is basically commentary. So the question is, why? The second question is, how could God command a Jew to love your neighbor as yourself? That's incredible. How is that possible? You know, a, a person can barely be said to love his wife as himself 
or his kids. You see? But a, a, a neighbor, a stranger? How could God give a commandment which is, sounds so unreasonable or impossible? You know? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Right? People are the... Some, some other Jew is basically a, a stranger. I mean, could you imagine, right, that somebody comes over or knocks on your door of your house and you open it and there's a neighbor standing there. Uh, they don't really know. And he says, you know, I want to tell you something. I love you. Because it says, you have to I mean, what would you think? You think he's crazy. Or he has something else in mind, which I don't really want to say, and so on. You see, uh, you look at him like he's crazy. What's he talking about? So the question is, how could God say, or what is the explanation or rationale of how God can even command this? That is the question. Difficult question to answer. So we know if God says this, What's the underlying rationale for this tzivoy, for this commandment? You see, obviously there must be a tremendous, what's called internal understanding of why God wants a Jew to love another Jew, and how is it possible? Well, in order to really go into this and understand it, we have to understand certain information, you see. And when we realize this information, it will allow us to really understand the mitzvah of Avas Yisrael, the mitzvah of loving a fellow Jew, we will understand why. Uh, so, it's important to know that the Rabbanism created Odom, a man. What is Odom, really? He really created one neshama. He didn't create many neshamas, right? He created only one. And that one neshama was Adam Harishim. You see? So therefore, Adam had the neshama, the soul, of the totality of all the neshamas. Certainly the Jewish people. You see? And that neshama of all the Jews... That's a collective neshama. And that is known really as Knesset Israel, the congregation of Israel. In other words, Jews are really mystically one neshama. It's called the grand neshama, you see. Now, that's the first idea. The Bosham did not create many neshamas. He created only one, and that was Adam Arishman. And that neshama of Adam Rishon was so spectacular that the, the Medrash says that the Malachim thought that he was God, you see. And the Rishon, of course, showed them the mistake. That's how great the neshama of Adam Rishon was. We cannot even imagine his neshama. And his neshama was the collective neshama of all Jewish people. Now, what is important to know is that the Rosham connected that neshama called Knesset Yisrael to the Shekhinah, to the Divine Presence. 
And that's really what it is. It's like a coin. One side is heads and the other side is tails, you see. So the side that is heads is the Shekhinah, the divine presence. The side that is tails, so to speak, right, is Knesset Yisrael. That's why the Neshama is really part of God. It's like a coin, you see, where we are connected to the divine presence itself. The only thing is that we are connected. The Neshama is not individuated or separate from the uh, the Klai uh, Yisrael. It's one coin. Now, we don't really understand what that means, but we can hear it at least superficially that all the Knesset Yisrael collective Neshama is connected to the Divine Presence. And then what the Rabbi Shem did, right, is he split. He committed three splits. And these are the grand splits of the Neshama. The first thing he did is he took the Neshama and separated it. He split the coin, you see. So the Neshama of Klai Yisrael is now separate from the Shechina. But what is important to understand is that this is what he did, but in a mystical sense, the Jewish people are still connected to God. Even though he separated Knesset Yisrael from the Shechina. In other words, mystically, they're still one. But that is called the first great split, which is the Neshama, Knesset Yisrael, from the Shechina itself. And then what the Bansham did is he committed a second split where he took Knesset Yisrael itself, which is the collective Neshama, and he split that. So therefore Knesset Yisrael now became individual Neshamas. You know, it's like a fire which has sparks. And each spark is now separated from the body of the fire. You see, therefore each neshama is now split or separated from each other. They are now what's called individuated. And each one is now given, each neshama, or fragment of the neshama, spark, is now given an individual consciousness, you see. So really, it's still mystically one, but there's a certain aspect of individuality where each one has its consciousness. So in a certain sense, they are really all split. But at a deeper level, it's still one, like I said, you see. But when it now appears in this world, it is now uh, individuated. Each one now has its own consciousness. Now the problem is, obviously, we don't realize that. We don't realize that we're really all one organism, right? That's really what we are. Even though it looks to us that we're separate. In other words, there's a spatial differentiation between each person, which is each neshama. Really, it's one organism at a mystical level, you see. But at our level, we seem to be all individuals, different uh, organisms, 
but really we're one. That is the true mystery, the nature of the neshama, you see. Now, it's interesting, every spiritual concept or idea has a what's called a, a, a uh, model, an example, or some type of uh, illustration of that spiritual concept. So if I asked you, is there a spiritual concept to this concept where we have individual consciousnesses, we look like we're separate people, but at a much deeper level, right, we're really one. Is there such a concept or physical example? And the answer, there is. And I believe it's very accurate. What is that? That's the concept of Siamese twins. What is a Siamese twin? It's two people are joined together physically, yet they have two individual heads, which is different consciousnesses. That's really what we are. The whole Jewish people are really Siamese twins, right? That's really what they are. It means that we have one body, but in some way we have individual consciousnesses, you see. So as such, you know, we think we're individuals or that there are, there's a separation between, you know, the uh, nishamas. But really, we're like Siamese twins. We are one organism yet we are two organisms. That is really what the Jewish people are. Very important concept. Uh, <clears throat> well, if that's the case, then all Jews are really one organism, right? And it's like they all have, each neshama is a body part, right? But really all parts are together, like Siamese twins, except we all think we're individuals because there's a spatial separation. But that has tremendous repercussions. For instance, you know, if a Siamese twin says to the other Siamese twin, you know, I'm depressed, I want to commit suicide. So the other twin is going to say to this twin, are you crazy? If you commit suicide, then it's not only you that die, I die. Because we're really one body, and we are really just different body parts, you see? So whatever you do to yourself immediately will affect the other Siamese twin. And that's really what happens. When a Jew does a sin and injures himself on a spiritual level, you see, then he injures the entire body organism that is called Knesset Israel. You see? Now we don't see that. So therefore if a Jew commits, you know, an Avera in New York, then a Jew in California or Jews all over are harmed in a way we do not see. Why? Because like I said, we are all Siamese twins. We're all really one organism. That's why you know, you have to be so careful, you know, and then it's also vice versa. If a Jew does a tremendous mitzvah, you see, then automatically everybody benefits because we're really one organism. 
So therefore, obviously, right, we, um, we together have tremendous impact on everybody else. There's no such thing as an individual Jew that doesn't influence or affect the Jewish people, you see. So we can either harm each other or we can tremendously benefit each other. And that explains also certain halachas. For instance, it says that that all Jews are guarantors for other Jews. And that's why you can actually do, you can be what's called mitzi, another Jew, a mitzvah that he hasn't done. You see, for instance, if you make Kiddush, and then somebody comes in later and has not made Kiddush, then you can make Kiddush for him. But why? And the answer is, because you really won. So therefore, in a certain sense, you are a guarantor of the other Jew, because you really won organism. So therefore, you can benefit the other Jew, since you are really one organism. Also, the concept of Kirov. Why is Kirov, which is uh, outreach, why is that such a great mitzvah? And the answer is because we are affected by the actions of other Jews because we're really one organism. That is why Kirov is such an important idea. And the halacha is, I think Rabbi Moshe Paskin, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein Paskin, is that you, everybody should devote 10% of his time Kirov, to bring Jews back. Because they're coming back since it's really part of us, right? It's really part of us. They actually will benefit us because they come back, you see. And that is why Kirov, outreach to bring Jews back, is such a critical mitzvah. Because it's based on the fact that we're really one organism. And now we understand why is it we should love right, fellow Jews? Because it says, doesn't say and you will love your fellow neighbor. It says and you will love a Jew as yourself. Why? Because he is yourself. He's like your arm. If I ask you do you love your arm? He said, of course. It's me. It's part of me. So of course I love my arm. That's something else. So therefore, and you will love your neighbor as yourself because what the Torah is telling you is that it is yourself. So therefore, if you love yourself or you love your neighbor, right, the reason why you have to love your neighbor because what you're really doing is loving Yourself, you see. So if you hate your neighbor, you're really damaging yourself, not just your neighbor, because he is you. That's the concept of your haftulere'acho and you will love your neighbor as yourself. Like I said, because he is yourself. And therefore God can require it, you see. That's the rationale. If he wasn't yourself, if he wasn't part of you, then the Russian would never require that. It makes no sense. 
But since mystically he is yourself, you see, it's just a different body part. That is the rationale why the Vanshan wants all Jews to love each other. You see? And if you understand that, then you will have Avos Yisrael. <clears throat> you see? So that is a second great split. So like I said, the first great split is where the Neshama was separated from God, from the Shekhinah. Then what God did is He took the individual Neshama, Knesset Yisrael, right? And He caused a split in that where each part now gets its own consciousness. So that's a second great split. But then there's a third great split, right? What is that? That he took the neshama, which is now separated from the shechina, and he split that. You see, what split is that? That's the concept of male and female, masculinity and femininity. You see, because really the concept, right, is the that that's the concept that it's really one organism. Because it says vayikra eshmam ad. Embraces, right? And God called their name, which is Zohar Nekeva, He called their name Adam. You see? So the, really, what, what there really is, is each individual Neshama uh, has itself been split into two parts. Now, what you have to understand is that we all emanate from spheres, from divine emanations. And that gives rise to the neshama. And how many spheres are there in any given configuration? There are ten, you see. There are ten spheres, okay? Um, and these ten spheres form what's called a configuration or a unit. It's called a patsuf, right? Which is a, uh, a uh, face. One unit, ten spheres. And that's what each neshama is comprised of, you see. So in that uh, split, or in that composition, you have the first three, right? Which is the uh, concept of keser, chokhmah, bina. Those are called the gimel rishonis, or the first three of the ten, right? And they are the equivalent of the brain, because they lead when they bring tremendous amount of divine influence to the lower seven, because that's what's left. Then you have what's called the Zayn Tachtoinus, which is from Chesed, Givura, Tferis, Netzachoyd Yisoyd, and Malchus. Those seven, you see, they are the equivalent of the body of that configuration. That together, all of those ten, form a configuration called the Pazov, right? And that is one Nishama. So what the Mojan did is he split, right? He split the from Chesed to Yesoid, which is the, first, the of the lower seven, the first six, right? He split that from the tenth, which is called Nekevo, you see. So he took the, what's called the uh, vav, the uh, six spheres, which is chesed, kvura, tferes, netzach, hoi, yisoid, those six, 
become the Zoho, become the male, and he put in there consciousness, and the Nekevo, which is the tenth, he gave it a different, an individual consciousness. So it comes out that every marriage of a man and a woman has six spheres with its own consciousness, and then it has the seventh sphere, the lower seven. It has the bottom sphere, which is called Mikavo or Nukva. He gave that its individual consciousness. So therefore, the, the six spheres plus the seventh, which is Mikavo or Nukva, right? That forms what's called a Zivog. That forms what is called a unit, right? Called a Zohan Kavo, you see. And that really is a team. But in actuality, it's one organism, you see. Now, we don't see that. Now, to us, it's different people, but not really. Kabbalistically, or I should say spiritually, it's really one organism comprised of a Zohar and a Kabbalah. In fact, in Odomarishan, when he was created, and God created woman, what the Bonsham then did is he gave individual consciousness, right, to the last sphere of that unit. That's really what he did. So at that point, he had not separated a woman from a man. What he did is he separated them in terms of consciousness. There was actually a woman which was the back face of the man, and it had its own consciousness. Must has been a very interesting type of combination. And then he separated both entities. One became a Zoho and one became an Akeva. So we see really that God wanted a team effort to do the Tikkun of the Bria, to do the Tikkun of creation. You see, he could have had just one entity, which is the Neshama, without its spheres being split and being given its individual consciousness. He could have done that. But the Russian wanted Zoho Nekeva, Boro Oisam. He wanted mankind, or each individual human, to be composed of two different individuals, right, that are really one organism. And that's a very important concept, the duality of an Ishama, you see. And therefore, that means that there are two different jobs, because we can ask, well, what is the job? What's the meaning of the fact that there are two different, you know, parts of one Nishama? The Zoho, which is six spheres, and then the Keva, which is the last sphere called Malchus or Nukva. And the answer to that, and I will tell you, the job of the man is to secure Ruchnias, is to go out and get spirituality and bring it to this, you know, dual unit. And the job of the woman is to preserve the ruchnias that the husband brings, the zocha brings, you see. That's their job. One goes out, that's why he's commanded to do 613 commandments. Because his job is to bring spirituality tremendous spirituality to this ten sphere or one uh, organism to bring to them 
tremendous amount of spirituality. That's his job, to get the spirituality, to secure it. But it has to be preserved. It has to be watched over. So that's the job of the Nikeva, the Nukva. And that is why, right, the female, right, uh, preserves the spirituality that the husband brings. And if you think about it, that's why a woman is only commanded sivuyim or mitzvahs, right, that is not time-dependent. Because a great deal of her time is preserving the spirituality that the husband brings. Uh, so she doesn't have all 613 mitzvahs to accomplish. Her major accomplishment is mitzvah say, you know, that is not uh, time-dependent. That's her contribution to what she can bring. But basically her job, right, is to preserve the spirituality that the husband brings. That's why he goes out into the world and in many ways defies the tremendous evil and tumor of the world and that way earns tremendous merit and so on. And that's why he has to learn the Torah and so on. Whereas the woman's major effort in the team approach to do the tikkun is to preserve the ruchnias. So therefore, she's the bias, she's the house, she raised the kids, right, to make sure that that what she brings will be preserved and kept intact. It's interesting. You now understand what the job of each one is. Of course, the world has made a tremendous mistake, you know, the concept of, you know, female equality, which of course is an unbelievable distortion you see, uh, it's certainly based on what I'm saying and so on. In any case, this is the third great split, you see, of um, certainly of a man or woman. But really, their job is to do the tikkun as a unit, you see, the male and the female. That's really what it is. <clears throat> now, when you think about that, we now understand something very important. We understand that deep down, in a way we don't understand, we're all one organism, even though we don't look that way. But what God wants us to do is to undo the split. That's what he wants. He wants to undo, right, the split of the neshama itself of a man and a woman being separate. He wants to undo it. The second thing he wants to undo, the neshamas themselves, that are split from each other. And then the third thing he wants to do, the first split, which is the neshama from God, you see. And that is why marriage has such a tremendous amount of holiness, because it adds to the enormous amount of what's called shefa. When a man marries a woman, it's a tremendous existential movement forward, because the spheres of both now come together, you see. And therefore, there's an enormous rise in the sacredness, the sanctity level of that organism because in a certain sense, it's been restored, you see. Now, I'm not going into, you know, what happens if a person gets divorced or if a person marries somebody else's wife. Those are obviously all kinds of deviations and anomalies but the main idea is what I'm saying, you see. 
So God wants us to undo the splits. But how? So obviously, the way you bring a zochan and a keva together, and therefore form one organism, right, that is intact, is marriage. Zivuk. That's how you do it. That's why Kiddushin is referred to as Kiddushin, which is basically a holy matrimony, a holy status. You see, what about how does Jews get together, one neshama, get together with another to undo the split between the neshamas themselves? And the answer to that is the mitzvah of Yohaftalareachakamoycho. When a Jew when Jews love themselves, when they love one another, then mystically there's a combination, you see, of the original relationship that every neshama has with each other. It becomes one organism. Simply Avas Yisrael, you see. That's why the Yohav is so critical, because it unites all the Jews together on a mystical level. It undoes the second split. Now the quest, next question is, well, how did, the, how did the Jewish people collectively, as Knesset Israel, how do they undo the split between them and the Rabbanistam, the Shekhinah? And the answer is very interesting. They don't really have to do anything. When the Jews get together automatically, then the Jewish people automatically reattach themselves to the Shekhinah. So the way to attach yourself to the Shekhinah, the collective Neshama attaches itself to the Shekhinah, right, is by observing the mitzvah of Avas Yisrael, which further tells us why it's so critical to love Jews. Because then the whole Jewish people reunites with the Shekhinah when they love each other. You see, so Avas Yisrael is critical to undo the second split and the first split. And that's what God wants. In fact, really in the end, that is the essential job of the Jews, to reunite and not have what's called period, which is separation, but to ultimately reunite. All the Jews reunite together and they form what's called Knesset Yisrael. Where do we see this? <clears throat> well, if you remember, by Matan Torah, by the giving of the Torah, right, it says, Vayichan Yisrael Negedahor, and Israel encamped next to the mountain. So Rashi points out, it really should say, Vayachnu, right, and Israel, plural, encamped next to the mountain to receive the Torah. Why does it say, Vayichan Shom Yisrael, which is the singular verb, and Israel as a unit encamped. So Rashi says, and he quotes, a tremendous medrash, that Vayichan is singular because the Jews had achieved an unbelievable unity to reunify with themselves. So Rashi quotes, Ki'ish Echod Belev Echod, that at Matan Torah the Jews had this tremendous surge of Avas Yisrael, as one man, with one heart. In fact, that was probably the greatest amount or occasion of what? Of Abbas Yisrael ever known by Matan Torah. Now we know, therefore, that when the Jews unite, 
because of Avas Yisrael, which happened at Matantara, automatically, as I said, they reunite with the Shekhinah. Right? They don't need another action. As soon as they unite, then automatically the Jewish people mystically unite, and then they unite with the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence. You see, merely by them having Avas Yisrael. And since they had such an incredible amount of Avas Yisrael, therefore they united with the Shekhinah, and that was the greatest level of Giloi, of revelation of God that ever was. You see, which is interesting, it means the greater the Abbas Yisrael, right, automatically what that means is that that will be the greatest attachment to God himself. You see? In other words, the amount of reunification with the divine presence depends on Abbas Yisrael. That is a very important concept, you see. And that's really what happened by Matatura. So therefore, this in the end, this in the end is what happened, you see. And uh, because like I said, the Jews automatically, they just have to reunite by loving each other. And automatically, they will reunite with God. This then is what happened uh, at the, at Matantura, and what we see also very important. This is what God wants as a purpose of creation. Now we also understand something very important. You see, we understand that there is a certain avarus, right? A certain um, sins, and the halacha of those sins is yehorig v'ayavu which means that do not transgress and rather let yourself be killed than transgressing, transgress the sin. What are those sins? Well, the first one is called uh, adultery, right? So if somebody comes over to you and says, I want you to commit adultery, then rather allow yourself to be killed than do it. The second idea, second sin, I should say, you know, is, is what's called murder. If somebody says, I want you to kill that person or somebody else, right? You have to let yourself be killed rather than do the sin of murder, right? And then the third sin, which if somebody comes over to you and says to transgress, is to bow down to idols, idol worship. So there you are. There are three sins that the halacha says that if you are compelled to commit these sins, rather allow yourself to be killed. This is what it says. The question is why? Why these three? And we now understand. Because if you think about it, if what God wants is a reunification of the three great splits, right, that he created, right, then think about it. Adultery intensifies the split between a man and his wife, right? So God says the necessity of loving another person, in this case, wife, right, is so great that you have to allow yourself to be killed because it's an intensification of splitting. 
The second Avera is murder. The greatest intensification of murder is to kill somebody. The greatest intensification of creating the disunity of Nishamas is murder. So God says, better to allow, to allow yourself to be killed uh, than to commit murder. Again, because these, this, this uh, Avera of murder disunifies Right, the uh, the uh, split intensifies the split of two neshamas, and what is the greatest intensification of split between all the neshamas and God? And the answer is Avodah When you worship Avodah when you worship an idol, you are really splitting yourself from God because you believe in a deity, you believe in another being. So that splits you from God. So it comes out that all of these three averis, adultery, right, and then murder, and then idol worship, really intensify, right, the split itself. And therefore God says, rather let yourself be killed than do that, you see? So that's a very interesting explanation of why these three averis, Right? Why these three averas uh, have the halacha of Yehorig Yavo, rather let yourself be killed, right? And uh, and not uh, transgress, <coughs> which is obviously very important. See, we now understand Hillel, which was my original question. Hillel said, "Listen, of course you have to do the mitzvahs." But the essential concept really underlying all the mitzvahs is to undo the split, the fragmentation, the separation of the three entities, you see, where you want to reunite Zohar and Akeva, one neshama, as one unit. You want to reunite all the neshamas of the Jewish people as one unit, right? And you want to reunite... Knesset Israel, which is all the neshamas, you want to reunite them with God Himself. This is a fundamental task of the Jewish people to restore the original status of the neshamas of the Jewish people. And in many ways, that's what's really going to be, right, in Olim Habo. God wants Knesset Israel to be restored. So what he did is he split them and they have to recognize who they really are. That is why it's such a, why Abbas Yisrael is so, is so critical. You see, because it undoes the split. You see. And that's why Hillel said, you know, that the essential concept of the Torah, right, is to reunify all the Nishamas together. And the rest is commentary. The concept of the mitzvahs really, in the end, unifies the Jews because they settle all the problems. The halachas, in many ways, are the rules and regulations where we can all live in peace. Think about that. What's the essential function of a law? And that is to live in peace, right, with each other, because the laws tell us what is the behavior or the rules that God wants. 
But in the end, the laws help us by allowing us to remain peaceful with each other because there's a right and wrong way to do something, you see. So really, all the mitzvahs enable us to maintain our love for each other because they direct our behavior. Now, you may ask, wait a minute, you know, how do I get to love a neighbor, you see? And the idea, there are different madrevas, levels, you see. The first thing you have to work on is not loving another Jew. That's uh, hard to reach. What you have to learn is don't hate another Jew. That's the first beginning of loving a Jew. Don't hate Jews. Remember, we all make mistakes, right? And therefore, if you don't hate the Jew, you learn to forgive. You don't love the person, but at least you don't hate the Jew if he does something that you don't like, you see. So if you do that, then eventually, once you remove the concept of hating the guy, that is the beginning of having positive feelings toward him. So that's the first thing you have to work on. Try not to hate people. Try not to accentuate differences. Just because there's a difference between you and a person is not a cause to hate the person or to look down at a person. We're all different. We all have different understandings, beliefs, values, and so on, you see, as an individual. So therefore, you know, we should not dislike somebody because they're different, you see. So that's the first level. Don't dislike Jews. Recognize that differences are legitimate, you see, and on the contrary, they define the uniqueness of each individual person. Then there are mitzvahs that you can do. One of the greatest averis of all that creates the concept of hatred is Russian horror. When you speak Russian horror against the Jew, automatically you are harboring right bad thoughts about the person that you are either speaking about, Russian horror, slander, or that you are listening about, slander. You see? So you have to be careful. Don't speak Russian horror, slander. Don't listen to slander. And certainly, if you do hear it, don't believe slander. You see? So observing Shmir Saloshim, which is to be careful of communications, of, you know, of harmful information, is a very important mitzvah that it will event, eventually lead to respecting one another and maybe someday to come to the idea of loving another Jew. You see? So that's really what, you know, the, what I would certainly suggest. One, don't dislike or hate another Jew. Try to understand that he is unique. We all make mistakes, you see? Therefore, you won't uh, you know, dislike or hate another Jew. Then don't talk Russian horror about another Jew. Don't speak. Don't listen. And don't believe Russian horror. Learn the laws of Russian horror. Because Russian horror is one of the principal ways of how people develop sinas chinam. Very important. 
Now you understand why Lashon Hara is so important that God says, right, uh, that you get saras, you get all kinds of terrible things if you speak Lashon Hara. Because what Lashon Hara eventually does is it creates a tremendous amount of sinas chinam. You see, tremendous amount of hatred. And that is the incredible destructive force of Lashon Hara. So every Jew has to master the laws of Lashon Hara. And then you won't have sinas chinam. Now we know also that the first place Amigdash was destroyed, right, because of those three Averis. Gili Arayis, adultery, Shrikas Tamim, murder, and Avedi Zara. Why? Well, because not only are they serious, but what's even maybe more important is they intensify the split of the Jewish people, you see. And that split creates tremendous what's called period, separation, which is the opposite of what God wants. So God says, you hate each other because of the enormous amount of, you know, of, of separation. And therefore, I will split from you. And obviously, God said, I will therefore allow Babylon to destroy my base Amigdash. In other words, because you hate each other, because you have committed those three Averis that tremendously intensify the unity of who you are, then measure for measure, I will split from you, you see, and I will allow them to destroy the base Amigdash which ultimately means that I will split from you. That's the measure-for-measure measure punishment as a result of the sins, those three sins that the Jewish people uh, committed. And the second base of this was because of Shinaf Chinam. There you are. Shinaf Chinam splits the Jewish people. You see? And why was there Shinaf Chinam? So the Chofetz Chaim and the Marshal says, because they all spoke Lashon Hara. There you are. So it comes out incredibly that the Beis Amigdash was destroyed because of separation of the Jewish people. The split. So if you're wondering how serious is it to do an Avera where you hate another Jew, Sinas Chinam, well, take a look. The first Beis Amigdash was destroyed because of basically the three Averis sins that you are commanded to give your life for, because like I said, because they intensify the split of the Jewish people. So look how great Sinas Chinam is. And the second base I make this was openly because of Sinas Chinam. You see, baseless hatred. And that's why it was destroyed. Uh, because in the end, if the Jews split from each other, right, and they have baseless hatred, in the end, God says, since you hate each other, guess what? I will split from you, measure for measure. So could you imagine how great the Avera of Sinas Chinam is? That it destroyed the Beis HaMikdash. What greater building is there for the Jewish people? That begins to tell you how important it is, right, to have Avas Yisrael which is achtos, increases the unity of the Jewish people, you see. And we know that the Chofetz Chaim says, 
that the reason why the Beis Hamikdash is not built is because we continue to have Shinas Chinam, baseless hatred. And by the way, not only the Beis Hamikdash is not built, right, but the Golis doesn't end, you see. And not only the Golis doesn't end, right, but the, and the Beis Hamikdash is not built, the Mashiach doesn't come. Could you imagine how serious that sin is of Sinas Chinam? Because what the Ramon wants essentially is to undo the splits and that Knesset Yisrael should be restored to its incredible Achtos unity, you see. So I hope that I've explained a lot of the ideas and how great and serious the concept of Sinas Chinam is and Abbas Yisrael, you see. <clears throat> and that's why the Rosham says, that you can love your Jew as yourself. Why? Because he is yourself. He's really part of you. And that's what the Rosham wants. In fact, sometimes, the Rosham is so desirous of the unity of the Jewish people, right? The camaraderie of the Jewish people, that he will cause an enemy, right, to war with the Jews, and then all of a sudden, all the Jewish people unite because they have a common enemy. That's how great his desire is for the Jews to come together. So therefore, what is happening now among the Jewish people is terrible. There's a tremendous amount of sinner, hatred in Eretz Israel because the Jews are split down the middle because of the concept of judicial reform, which I spoke about last week, you see. And that is very, very bad. That prevents the Mashiach from coming, the Golas from ending, right? And the Beis Hamidus to be built. Uh, so let's all think about this, you see, and in some way cultivate the midah of loving a fellow Jew, no matter who he is, what he is, what he believes in, uh, you see, you know. And I'll end by a story which I read recently. It was about the God of the Israel of Vadi Yosef, right? Uh, that he was once walking with his son. And they were walking, I think, on the whole Bailan in Eretz Israel. So all of a sudden, a taxi driving on Bailan stopped by them, and it was on Shabbos. <clears throat> so he told, he opened up his window, and he told Rabbi Vadi Yosef, with his son, right? You know, if I continue on this street by Ilan, where am I going to wind up? He obviously was lost. You see? So his son looked at him and said to him, well, if you continue riding, and it was Shabbos, then you're going to wind up in Gehenna. That's what he told the taxi driver. Oh, you see? So the guy closed his window and drove off. So Ovadi Yosef was infuriated and his son. He says, how dare you speak that way to a fellow Jew? What have you done? All he's now going to do is hate religious Jews. You see, because you talk down to him. And even if he was Michal Shabbos, okay, what have you gained? You see, he's not going to do tshuva because of what you said, right? You have to, on the contrary, speak in a way which is respectful, even if he's being Michal Shabbos. Because maybe that will turn him around. And we know many stories, you know, 
that especially many, many Gedoylem, they speak very respectful to anybody. And that actually has turned around many Jews. That's a classic demonstration of Abbas Yisrael, which he had tremendously, because he spent an enormous amount of time at, you know, going around to different cities all over Eretz Yisrael for years because of his tremendous Abbas Yisrael. He was involved tremendously in Kirov. So I bring this story uh, just to show you. You have to have Abbas Yisrael even for Jews that are not religious. You speak to them respectfully and try to of them. And hopefully, because of that, they will then turn around, right, and begin to observe the mitzvahs. In any case, uh, it's important to think about this particular shir, that Abbas Yisrael is not just a mitzvah. It is really the purpose of creation to undo the splits. And the way it's done is with Abbas Yisrael, you see. Uh, where a man and his wife have to have Shalom Bayez, you see. Because Shalom Bayez produces Abbas Yisrael, which is true even of a man and his wife, you see. That's why Shalom Bayez is such an important mitzvah. It says, What is Havoy Shalom? Havoy Shalom means to bring peace, and that's Abbas Yisrael. Uh, so that's the first thing you have to strive for, Shalom Bayez. The second thing is where one Jew has to be very respectful of any Jew, no matter who he is, to try to help him come back. And of course, if that happens, then the Jewish people will restore their relationship with God. And therefore, we will again be an obvious organism, a chilek l'kaimimah, part of the living God, right? And that will end the Golas permanently. Not only that, it will allow the Beis Amigdash to be built, right? And not only that, it will actually bring the Mashiach. So be careful. Learn the laws of Lashonara and try to really, you know, uh, practice these ideas. Any questions? Hi, Rabbi, you said yes. you, you have to, what if people are making fun of other Jews, that religious Jews? So that we are respectful wrong. to them, but what about them towards religious Jews? Well, you, you, you can criticize another person, but it has to be done respectfully. Right, okay. That's the problem Many times it's done with hatred and criticism and mockery. That's the problem, you see. And that is so important to do to bring the Mashiach and the Golas, this nightmare Golas, right? And to have the Bishamitis built. Thank you. Sure. Yes, any other questions? Okay. Sounds like everybody is satisfied.
I have a question about tshuva. About tshuva? Yeah. yeah. So when they say that Mashiach will come when everybody does tshuva, that's part of tshuva, right? Just realizing not to hate other Jews. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's certainly part of tshuva. In fact, that's one of the things that Eliyahu does. He will restore the peace between a father and son, between the children and their parents. You see, look, the concept of sinas chinam, baseless hatred, is a pandemic. It's a pandemic, especially because of the internet. There's so much hatred, so much negative talk, criticism, mockery that is done on the internet it's really terrible you see you know someday all of that will be gone because we will realize who we are we're really one organism you see and that is why it's so critical you see to love another Jew because when you love another Jew or at least not hate them then you're benefiting yourself like I said you see if one Siamese twin does something to himself that benefits, let's say he works out in the gym, then the other Siamese twin will also benefit because it's really one body. Just think of that example, the Siamese twins, because that's really what the uh, physical analog is of what the Jewish people really are. You see? So when Eliyahu Hanavi comes, that he's going to come when Mashiach comes, right? Like just before right. Kapella. Right. But that's when that's going to happen. So then. Yeah. Right. So then, when it's the right time, the Eto, then he'll come, and we're going to start to. We're going to have a sudden revelation, and nobody. We're going to all love each other. It's going to be right. like after. Right. Yeah. There'll be a tremendous spirit of Achtos, right? We need that right now. Especially right now, because that is splitting the Jewish people in a terrible way. And the Satan is always looking to do that. He always wants to create machlekes, arguments. You see, that's why having arguments is very bad. There are people that go out of their way not to argue with other people because arguments almost always lead to baseless hatred, you see. That's what Machlechus does. And there are many, many people that are in argument, not only with other people, but even with their own family members, you know. A lot of people don't speak to their own family, whether it be money issues, you know, or value issues, or just plain jealousy, whatever. There's a great deal of hatred, unfortunately, uh, you know, among Jewish people. There is also a great deal of love. I'm not going to deny that, which is true. But it is the hatred that keeps away the gullus, you know, and it doesn't end the gullus, and it keeps away the Mashiach and the Beis Hamikdash. Like I said, a lot of it is caused by Lushan Hara and the Machlekes argument. 
you see. What I've tried to do is uncover what's called the premium, the depth of what all this really does, you see.